This is the Inside Cloud Channel podcast. I'm your host, Segert van der Linden. In the first episode, we talked shortly about Microsoft Azure, Microsoft Cloud Computing Platform. This time, we'll dive deeper into this subject. We talk about the possibilities, the way you use Azure to develop your company's cloud architecture, and that one important word, identity. Here with me to talk about the topic are Insights, Alexandru Malos and Jurjen Uitenbogaard. Good to speak to you guys. Let's take a short walk back to the basics. Alex, this one's for you. What is Microsoft Azure? It's a nice color. <laughs> well, Microsoft Azure is one of the cloud platforms out there. It's a public cloud and well, it is comprised of what we call PaaS and IaaS, so platform as a service and infrastructure as a service. Um, and, and, and it really is, to, to summarize, it really is a platform where you can pretty much deploy everything you want from virtual machines to mm-hmm. serverless computing to identities, uh, storage, uh, artificial intelligence, cognitive services, all that fancy and, and cool stuff that's pretty much all of it you can do it in the Azure platform. So so basically it's what Insight uses uh, to, to build my cloud infrastructure. Well, both both Insight and, and you can do that yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, but we're, for, we're Insight. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> yes, it's, it's the platform where uh, we help uh, you and, and, and all of our customers expand their business to the, to the public cloud. So, so Jurian, uh, when you start building, you first need to think about the structure. Uh, what kind of questions do you ask customers during this phase? Well, a lot of different questions, but um, I think the most important question we always ask is what they want to achieve, what they are trying to achieve by by going to the to the public cloud. So, uh, is it just for saving money to do the same, but then more efficient, or do they want to build a disaster recovery plan or that's the most important so we need to know where they want to go so what's their what's their goal on the journey and then during the journey yeah, a lot of questions arise of course so what do they have running yeah. in their own data center at this moment um, when they when do they want to migrate or when what do they want to move those kind of questions so so this this first step is all about planning could you just build a cloud architecture without planning? Could you just <laughs> go ahead, start, see where yeah, it all it's, ends? It's, it's as easy as that, of course. Um, I wouldn't recommend that, but it's 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 possible if you go to the uh, to the portal. And that's what so, some customers have been doing uh, in the last couple of years. They just started deploying services and provisioning uh, resources without making a proper planning. And yeah, along the way, they will find that that has problems. So it's 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 not a recommended way, but it is possible. Yes, it is possible. But what kind of problems can they run into? Uh, well, uh, cost projection. So if you don't have a plan where you want to go and how you want to govern uh, your assets in, uh, in in the cloud, and how you're going to manage and how you're going to patch, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then it will grow out of hand. And that's what a lot of customers have experienced. Uh, well, the bad way because because it's a flexible uh, a flexible platform. It's it's. Deploying a VM, even you can do that, uh, Sager. So um, <laughs> you have a lot of faith in me. Thank you. Exactly, but you know you, you can deploy that VM, and um, but if you don't govern that and you don't know what you are doing and how you keep control of your assets, then it's it starts to grow, and yeah, then you ha- you're out of control. So uh, it is possible, but I wouldn't recommend to start building right away. 
without the planning. No. Alex, cloud cloud migration is about moving your for example, your server capacity, your own server capacity to the cloud. But do you have to move everything to the cloud? Can you can you choose some form of it, a hybrid form or something? Definitely. So you can decide to move your entire environment into the public cloud if you want to, but there is no definitely not needed to do that. So you can still keep your on-premises business. And on top of that, you can use the public cloud as well. So you can expand your business rather to the public cloud. And um, from there, decide to, to, to start uh, migrating workloads slowly but surely into the into Azure. Is, is a full move to the cloud always the end result? Maybe in little steps and over a lot of times, or is it? can the end result be, okay, we move part A of our business to the cloud, but part B, we keep on our own on-premise service? It is a decision for um, everybody to, to make for their own, so to say. So what, what we see is that the trend is for, for the majority of businesses to move towards the public cloud. And well, for, for a lot of obvious reasons, but um, m most of our customers, at least from what we see, they tend to adopt the cloud because it's something they currently do not know, but on the long run is to, to say, move away from their existing data centers and have the workloads run only in the public cloud. Yeah, I, I can imagine also that not all software is built for cloud usage. How do you handle that? Well, especially the legacy scenarios, uh, the legacy apps are not necessarily ready to run in the public cloud, but there are uh, some very interesting uh, programs or investments Microsoft did into ensuring that the even the, the, the very new versions of the operating systems can support to, to run the, the old legacy apps as well. But then next to that, there are, there are a lot of other uh, SaaS, so born in the cloud solutions, which can do uh, pretty much the same thing or usually more than, than those uh, legacy apps do. Yeah. So, so, so with legacy apps, uh, for, for my understanding, that's really old apps. Well, do you, do you play Winamp still? No, no, but <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's what I mean with legacy apps. It's the, the apps that, that are there for a long, uh, for a long time. The, the, yeah, the IT industry is there for many, many years. So, of course, it started with baby steps and, and small, simple apps, and it evolved into, well, what we all use today, and it's at our fingertips. So, Julian, um, in the planning phase, you also need to think about scalability. At least I think all businesses eventually want to, to, to grow uh, in some form of way. How can you implement that in, in Azure? How can you implement good scalability? Well, by using the, the, the pre-built uh, pre or the built-in uh, features within the, within the platform. So, if you put, for example, a VM in a, in a scalability set, you can set the metrics uh, when another VM will uh, will be added or when that VM will be removed when it's not possible so or when it's not necessary anymore um, and and that's all yeah available uh, by default in the platform so it, it's it's good to think about again what do you want to achieve and how to optimize uh, your spend and your operations yeah yeah is, is Azure reliable how does it cope with downtime for example um well, in the end, it's still technology and 
technology and hardware and stuff can go down, of course. Um, Microsoft is offering SLAs on their services. So if you implement it the right way, you will have an SLA. So in case there is... SLA? Service level of agreement. And and that, and that is? Well, so Microsoft, um, if, if you... If you provision a service the, uh, the right way, so according to the reference architecture, then you will have a, a yeah a service level on that service. So when there's downtime, you will get your money back. Not all your money, but certain. Uh, and if you look back into the uh, in the past, there have been some outages, but uh, not that much. So yeah, it, it uh, you can call it reliable, absolutely. Yeah, because I can imagine that's a system administrator's nightmare. I mean, there the servers are down, but your your everything is located somewhere on a distant server park, and you can't access it. Yeah, exactly, and that's the one of the yeah the concerns we we have to address uh, a lot of times is that they say yeah. Our own data center, it's 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 better, it's it's better performing, it's more reliable. I can turn it's it cheaper, off when I want to. Can I turn secure, it off? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 also there, it, it depends on on your planning because you can decide to deploy your services, your environment in one data center or in multiple data centers to make it more reliable. So, in case of a extreme example, a, an airplane crashes into the data center in Western Europe and that will go down, if it's put in a, a in an availability set, then it's it's possible that it continues running in a data center which is in uh, is located in France. So it depends on your architecture. Yeah, yeah. So so then again, that planning phase is really important. Absolutely, and the planning phase is not it's 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 an ongoing thing. So first you plan what you want to deploy, what you want to reach, but then with all the the speed of innovation and and additions of of services you have to continuously rethink of your uh, of your environment is it still the best way or should i tweak it a little bit or can i optimize it a little bit it's non going planning uh, absolutely yeah. so that's also part of the of the uh, the inside journey consists of plan build manage that's also part of the manage phase is 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 thinking rethinking your planning thinking is it still what i need to have is it still good for my company Exactly. Yeah. During the manage phase, you, we also give recommendations on on how how to optimize your environment, your assets, both from a cost perspective, but also from a, a operational perspective, and that might result in a new planning phase to yeah rearchitect your solution to make it more efficient or more reliable. Alex, when I was reading about Azure, there's one term I see popping up everywhere. That's identities. Can you tell me what are those identities? <laughs> Well, definitely. We we talk about identities in the cloud, and we talk about identities in the on-premises world as well. It's it's what what allows us to uh, connect to the environment, whichever that is, and to to use resources. So an identity can be a user. Uh, so your username when you log into a portal or to a page you use a username and the password so that is an, an identity then then we we can have a group of users if you want to to grant access to multiple users instead of manually adding their um, identities into for for the the specific resource you want to grant them access to you can create a group put them all in that group and then grant access to only that particular group. And then uh, further on, we, we talk about service principles and, and all those fancy terms, which, which <laughs> yeah, pretty much are at the end of the day, still identities, which grant access to resources. Is it any different than saying it's a user account? 
It, it is. A user account is an identity. But an identity is not necessarily a user account. It is a user account, but not only a user account. It yeah. can be, again, yeah. it can be a group, it can be a computer. So you can grant access to a computer to access a specific resource. You can grant access to um, a specific service, which we have in the cloud to access another uh, or to communicate with another service. And that is also an identity. It's the service principle scenario or managed identities, which I was referring to earlier. So it's it, it, it goes into becoming a bit abstract. And that's why to not call it a service principle, you'd rather call it an identity. It's easier and, and it, more understandable, so to say. I can understand it too. I can grasp the concept. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> that that's good. So I think that uh, knowing that managing your identities is is maybe one of the most or maybe the most important thing to manage your 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 cloud services in Microsoft Azure. Am, am I right? Yeah, definitely. The w w w everybody is concerned about security, but one of the first yeah. things to to uh, consider when it comes to the management of the security is the identity component. And I'll give you one example. Um, you, you have your username, yeah, user at domain.com to be creative. Um, <laughs> and then, then you have a password for that. Then if, if somebody will uh, somehow get hold of your username and password, then they can access your, say, email account and they can do bad stuff. But then if on top of that, so that is a, a one way to authenticate username and password. That's easy to, to obtain. And then they will do harm to your organization or to your personal stuff. But then if on top of that, you add a second factor of authentication or multi-factor authentication, MFA, you may have heard this term, um, then, then uh, it will be hard for, for that somebody who will obtain your username and password to really access your account because on top of entering your password, you will get a push notification or an SMS or a call to your personal phone. So then, uh, well, if, if you know that it is not you who performed that login, then you can just decline that request and then uh, that person X won't be able to access your account. It's a safety measure. That that is definitely something that everybody should be implementing wherever, whatever they are using. Is it Azure? Is it another cloud platform? Is it personal? Is it for business? Definitely, MFA is the first thing to do to secure their accounts and their identities. It's your first line of defense. Talking military. Yeah, <laughs> and it's an, an easy to to be performed. Almost all the all the providers have that. Uh, at maybe at no cost or at a very small cost as well. But definitely the, the end result is, is worth paying that money for. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're in that, that's one of the things you should be doing when you manage your identities. Are there, are, are there any other best practices for managing your identities? Well, I think this is uh, one of the most important that, that Alex just explained, uh, securing your identity, because I think that, that over 90% of, of all the breaches have been reached through that, of course. Um, but the platform itself, it, it offers uh, other services around identity and protection as well. So information protection is an important one. And I always recommend people to take a look at that as well, because it will it will label your, your documents stored in the cloud, which can, can't be transferred or can be transferred and those kind of things. So um, 
follow the principles, uh, the recommended and advised uh, security advice of, of Microsoft. That's 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 what we always uh, stress to people. One 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 other example for uh, if if you think of the public cloud, what something that Azure offers, and and you cannot really do that in the on-premises environment uh, are two things. One is called role-based access control and the other one is called privileged identity management. For the role-based access control, just to put it in simple terms, we, we started with that username and password and the multi-factor authentication on top. So the second factor of authentication, username, password, and MFA. We are already secure. So let's take an example. I come to your place. So you, I, I uh, yeah, knock on the door, you ask me, who is it? I tell you who I am. So that's my username and password. So I, you allow me to, um, uh, you open the door for me. But then you say, I want to confirm that you are who you say you are. So show me your passport. So second factor of authentication. I show you my passport. So then you allow me to get into your house. But then as soon as I am in your house, would you like me to be able to access all your rooms and open all your drawers? Or would you want me to access only the kitchen and the whatever, uh, living room and bathroom and whatnot? So that's something you can do using this role-based access control. So to granularly provide access to certain resources. And that implies you don't have access to the rest of the uh, resources. So that's a very secure way to to do it, the, the uh, uh, least privileged access you can give. And then the second one I was mentioning, the PIM, the Privileged Identity uh, Management uh, story, that is, say you are an, an admin for a support uh, desk, um, how do you call it? Customer support team, Your help. you have a help desk team. But then you work as an admin from Monday to Friday, but then your support team works 24 seven. So then what if Joe, needs access on a Saturday afternoon to perform some administrative tasks. In the on-premises world, you would just have to log in on Saturday, give Joe access, and then take the access when uh, he doesn't need it. Or, uh, yeah, when he, the job is done. Or you would assign the permission on a Friday and get rid of it on Monday when you're back to work. But then... So that's, that's how things work in the on-premises world. In Azure, that's one of the beauties of it, so to say, it's, it's that you can assign permissions for a certain period of time, and, and those permissions will only be granted for that period of time and automatically removed. So then what you would do is assign Joe permission for Saturday at 2 p.m., configure it to be automatically removed at 4 p.m. and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of lot of layers of protection, actually. Definitely. Yeah, what you should worry about. Good. Well, Alex Malos, uh, you're in Uitenbogaard of Insight. Thank you very much for this talk. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for all the information. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. You've been listening to the Insight Cloud Channel podcast hosted by me, Segert van der Linden. Special thanks to Insight's Alexandru Malos and Jurjen Uitenbogaard. Want to know more about Insight and their services? Check insight.com. We'll be back soon with a new episode focusing on alignment in your cloud architecture. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. See you next time.